Ooh. How about yeah. that listener league? I'm stoked. <laughs> I'm ready. To, I'm ready to take everybody's money, take everybody's souls, and bury them in the backyard. These bitches Ooh. are going down. If you want to try and take down me and Justin in the Dynasty Hot Sauce Listener League, there are a few ways to get in touch with us. One of them is to DM us through Twitter at RunDFF, at FFLarryMonkey, or at Dynasty Hot Sauce if you're in a group me chat with us. Or you can email FFLarryMonkey at gmail.com. That is... FFLarryMonkey at gmail.com. Other than that, I don't know how else you can fucking get in touch with us. Those are the I only mean, ways. you can knock on my door, creep around the backyard or whatever, but it's not going to get you a spot in the league as quick as it's going to get you a spot in the slammer. So just right. slide into our DMs, you know, all sexy-like, you know, wear your sexiest lingerie. Oh, don't, don't. I'm speaking to the men. You're just talking about your DMs, right? Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, I know we got some listeners out there that like some fun things. All right. right. Hey, yeah. I'll tell you, you It's not going the way you wanted it to, Larry? No, this is exactly how I want to let the, the Vietnamese <laughs> person know that listens. You are in the league if you want a, a shot. I think, I think my wife heard me and she is really freaked out now. <laughs> <laughs> if you are in Nor, if you're the, the Norway listener, Dude, you're in, man. <laughs> just just got to connect with us. I'm down. The yeah. Ukraine? Okay, please Ooh. don't send any dick pics. But yes, jump in our DMs. Let us just know you want to be in the league. The Dynasty Hot Sauce Listener League. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the Dynasty Hot Sauce Podcast. I am Larry Monkey, and you can find me on Twitter at FFLarryMonkey. And I'm here with... As always, Mr. At Run DFF, Justin Rogers. Woohoo! What's up, dude? Oh, it's another lovely Wednesday evening. <laughs> Time to pop one for the for the team here since it's still sober Larry season. So yes, yes. Sober Larry season. Once one week closer to St. Patrick's Day. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, I have news. I will be in Florida. Since you know, since I got my my two COVID shots, I might as well just go right into fucking <laughs> into the, 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 the lion's den over there, fucking red zone of fucking COVID. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> we have a great guest tonight, man, and he's sitting here patiently waiting for us to just fucking be done rambling about quit doing. Quit dealing with bullshit and bring up the real stuff, the real talk, the real <laughs> yeah, analytic yeah, dynasty. That's what we're waiting for, right? This guy comes out with the analytics of Dynasty. What was that, like three years ago? Yes. Yeah, so the first one was 2019, uh, and then there was 2020 and 2021. So, um, right. so yeah. So it's been. This is the third edition, and it's Ooh. been. Uh, and I started writing in. Must have been like April of. Wow, it's, it's been four years now, right? So, or so three years. Yeah, I started writing in like April of 18. So, um, was when I started writing the first one. So. Yeah, it's been it's been quite a journey. So it's been pretty fun. That voice you're hearing, folks, right. is the voice of Jordan McNamara, writer, author, analytics genius over there. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. <laughs> At McNamara Dynasty, you can find him on Twitter, right over there. The analytics of Dynasty. That is um that's some heavy terminology, right? The analytics of Dynasty. 
when you were writing this, were you did you have a little trepidation about using that heavy of a of a title? Like I'm just gonna go full bore and be like, this is the analytics of Dynasty. Was that something that you thought, or you were like, you know what, I'm gonna own this shit. Uh, you know, it's funny because if I could go back now, knowing, you know, go back to then knowing what I know now, I would have thought something different. I probably would have thought about it differently. Uh, when I wrote the first one, I never anticipated writing two more. Uh, so I made a lot of, it was just, I was just going to write one and it kind of took off bigger than I ever expected. And so I just kept rolling with it. And at that point I had a brand. So I probably would have, I probably would have done it a little bit differently in terms of how I would branded it and, and marketed it if I could go back now, but I don't walk away from it. Uh, and you know, yeah. one of the things I think about analytics is that is something that I sort of pride myself in is that there's a lot of things that we don't know and appreciating that and recognizing that is a, as a strategy point, is really important and really valuable. And so that's one of the things that, you know, I, I quote at the beginning of this book, song, uh, it's a quote by you too. You know, the more I see, the more you see, or the more I see, the less I know. Uh, you know, and and that's a lot of a lot of it, right? And as we sort of get more and more into this, you appreciate there's a lot of randomness in it, and a lot of what we think we know isn't necessarily predictive. And so when you sort of know that, there's different ways to leverage that. And this is going to be an interesting class to see if you know, in terms of rookie classes, to see if if that's the route we want to go because it's high value if you want to sort of fade common narratives there. Now you collaborated with a few other names in the industry for this, for the 2021 edition. Isn't that correct? I came, I started thinking about analytics through baseball and, you know, mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time in my college dorm room going to very many parties and working on spreadsheets. <laughs> and, uh, and it was just fun. You know, it was just, it was just fun. And I, there was a lot of stuff in, in baseball that was, um, I don't know, almost 15 years ago now, that was kind of when, when analytics was really kind of taking over baseball. And so, but those things you could discover that you could be out in front of, that's kind of where I came from in terms of thinking about some of this stuff. And then I got more into football. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think the more we sort of look at these things, it's, it can be really interesting. And, and so I come from that background of, of sort of looking at, at baseball. And one of the things that I always fell in love with was the baseball prospectus. And, you know, so they have a lot of projections year to year, which isn't something analytics of dynasty does, but they have a lot of a big chunk of that was strategy, you know, different strategies. And it was different. You know, it was a lot of different contributing writers and it was people that are very famous now, uh, Nate Silver being one of them. Right. And, and that's sort of where they came from. And I sort of I've thought that as a as a you know, as, as sort of a, a thought platform that the analytics of dynasty can do some some deeper, some deeper things. And that could sort of be a, you know, a platform for that. So yeah, going the, the uh, contributor has been nice. And again, these are dense things, right. In terms of what they, a lot of what they wrote was pretty heavily researched uh, and, and pretty thorough in the writing. Uh, and it takes on big topics, right? And that's kind of exactly the, the sweet spot that I want to hit. Not unreadable, dense, but one of them is tight end premium. There's a lot of different things that I didn't even appreciate when, you know, Scott Connor wrote it. He's at the Dynasty and Chill podcast. Uh, and he, there were things in there about tight end valuation that uh, in terms of just how the positions move that I had never even thought of. It was super valuable and I've already used it. And I actually, I knew what the answer was before the book was published. I got in a 
start drafting and put it to work uh, in terms of some of the tight end premium stuff. And then uh, Peter Howard, who uh, is the Dynasty Crossroads podcast, he has the he uh, did a rookie thing. You know, he did a rookie chapter on the metrics that matter, which I always thought was something that we sort of needed, right? Because that can be really confusing to to folks. And having something, having some simple rules to go by, is super valuable, right? Because you can get so confused and get so convoluted and spun around in terms of player in terms of players uh and their profiles and everything when you sort of have you know three four five simple rules to look at for different positions that's a really uh i think that's a really valuable thought process so and, and then my co-host at football guys and at uth dynasty uh, uh chad parsons wrote something on roster retention which uh, to be honest is is one of those things that if you never have tracked it it's fascinating to learn what the result. You know, one of the things that he found was that really, like year to year, it's the the amount of your roster that's actually retained isn't that high of a percentage. Right. And I think that people make a lot of the, one of the places where people make the most mistakes is how they construct the back end of their roster. They're playing very long term, and when you sort of look at the data into it, uh, you know, in in what the, those back end of roster guys produce and sort of how long they're on your team. Like that's a critical mistake that people make that they should stop doing. So, um, and then all of my stuff is in there too. So yeah, the contributors aspect of this is great. Uh, and I like that and I'll probably keep, keep that going forward. I like uh, the variety of people that you brought in. Peter's very player centric, focuses on uh, actual player metrics and how to evaluate incoming rookies. And then Scott is completely player ambiguous. He he doesn't care about an individual player. He just <laughs> literally cares about what what their potential value growth is and how to assess that value and, and movement. Um, I was having a conversation with a, one of my group chats, one of my league group chats there, and uh, there's this one guy and he was stuck on analytics are only about players. You know he he just can't he couldn't grasp that you know analytics have a lot more to do with the entire universe of dynasty football versus just you know one individual player hits this metric and, and is going to hit in the nfl you know it's uh like you said roster retention and how to how to build your roster um you know how to evaluate a certain position and the the player value based on settings and things like that so it's it's really cool yeah. that you uh kind of collaborated and brought that together yeah and the funny part about that is is uh, you know the interesting part about analytics is you can be kind of a, um, you know, like a straw man. There's a lot of straw man arguments about, you know, anti-analytics and, and analytics people do it to film people too. I'm not going to say it's a one-way street, but the thing that the thing about the analytics of dynasty that I've always, that I've always, uh, you know, aimed for is this isn't meant to be a yearly strategy guide. Like this isn't right. meant to be, Hey, here are the people you want to pick in 2021. It's never meant to be that. And it, hopefully, I, I pray it will never be that because that's not what I aim for. Uh, my, my goal is to talk about strategy and bigger picture. And so I, I don't even, I really don't even talk about players. Right? There might be players in the past that are examples of stuff. You know, in, uh, in 2020, for example, I wrote about what I call the Harris, the Harris Madison Exacta, uh, which was basically, you know, how to think about rookie drafts and why Damian Harris and Alexander Madison were like all were all time bats uh, based on where you got them. And uh, and so that's that's a lot. Of it. That's the context which I talk about players. But 
I don't even think I give any recommendations for 2021, which is kind of funny. Like, I, and I'm thinking back about it. I don't even think I used any 2021 player profiles or anything like that uh, in the in the writing of the book, just because. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's relevant, though. I will say, like, you know, I don't write it specifically, like, hey, T. Higgins is going to be a value, for example. But a lot of what I wrote, and I don't know if I'm just lucky or if I just look at the world through this lens, but a lot of what I've written the past couple of years has been kind of dead on in terms of some of the topics that were really big topics in the offseason. And so one of the things like I looked at in this book was something I called developmental hit rates. And so, you know, what I deem as a hit rate, for example, for like wide receivers is a top 24 seasonal finish. Um, and so that's like an initial hit. And, you know, if they... 101 in a startup draft for that right that's not like that that's the minimum of what you want you want more than that obviously um and if you pay it at 410 in a rookie draft right that's a smashing success right so uh different things matter in terms of you know i measure what i call density too um but then i also looked at something called a developmental hit which is basically the guys that don't hit as rookies but are sort of in next tier so Basically, they finished wide receiver 25 through 36, and I did it at the other positions too, uh, and and sort of looked at those guys. So there's some guys in there that that fit this year, Brandon Ayuk and T. Higgins, and and sort of looking at what those career arcs look like. Because uh, technically, I don't have them as hits on my you know in my metrics yet, but they're developmental hits, and that's a there's a lot of information there in terms of. Uh, you know what those guys tend to do historically. So, um, right. so yeah, they there is a lot of stuff that you can apply to specific players. It's not written through a twenty twenty one player specific lens. All right. So, the analytics of dynasty twenty twenty one edition. We're talking about retention and stuff. I have a hard time re- retaining these analytics because it's the you could be super complicated in terms of analytics. I am not. So that's a, the fun part about sort of, it, of about it for me is I don't come from a super complex math background. And so, you know, is there stuff that I could maybe do more complex? Sure. And I have some folks that I that are resources for me that sort of help me in some of the more complex stuff. But I try not to be that complex, right? So a lot of what I'm looking at is just some simple stuff, right? And just here are some simple ways to make it a lot easier, uh, you know, to make your dynasty team easier. And so I don't, I don't try and uh, and be super, you know, super overwhelming. I try and hit people that don't really. Uh, I I think you know if you were to sort of uh, use an analogy for this. I would say that I'm kind of what it is. Uh, it's it's a variety of different classes in college, right? So it's a there's some 100 level stuff in here, uh, mm-hmm. and so if if you haven't ever played Dynasty before, right? I, I can sort of probably through a couple of books, I could sort of say, hey, here's the arc on how you play, right? It's sort of a a 100 level course, um, but if I have subscribers, for example, that have purchased all three books, I think with even though they've read every word and maybe they read it four or five times, right? It's still new to them, right? Some of the some of the new stuff. And I sort of strive for that. I don't want it to be just this textbook thing where it's just regurgitating stuff I already wrote, right? That 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 trope about uh, textbooks, college textbooks is not something to do. So, I mean, that's kind of my initial thought on it. So I think it's for anyone that, that wants to be better and is willing to sort of look at things. And one of the things that I hear a lot about in terms of, you know, and, and what prompted me to write the analytics of Dynasty was I would hear people say things like that player's a really good second round pick, or that that person's a really good target player in the second round of a rookie draft, 
or that player is a really good pick in the sixth round of a startup draft. And I, I kind of said to myself, like, all right, is that like, what does that even mean? Right. How, what is our content on that? Right. What is what does that mean? And I wanted to get at that. Right. That's kind of that's why I wrote this. Right. That's that's where it came from, was answering some of those just basic questions. And then we can sort of know, like, hey, here's kind of what I want for in the middle rounds of a draft. Right. And there's certain profiles in that range that are really good. There's certain profiles that historically are terrible. So sort of knowing those things and what to target and what to avoid in certain ranges of the draft is really it. And then, you know, I joke that I think that there's a couple chapters that I've written that if I just gave them to my sister who knows nothing about football and couldn't identify a wide receiver on a map uh, <laughs> or on a field, um, uh, if I just gave them to her, she could probably have a average to above average rookie draft without with no nothing other than, you know, positions and a couple of price points, right? If I could give her five or six rules and it's actually something I'm talking about doing, right? And it might not be my sister. It might be somebody else, but, but someone that doesn't know football and just have them implement some rules and see sort of what happens as a thought experiment. Cause I think it's valuable. Um, and so that's really what it's aimed for, right? So I think anyone can use it. Uh, and I think that anyone can, um, you know, use it at different levels, right? So if you if you play in, I have I have subscribers that play in fifty leagues. I have subscribers that play in two or one, and um, you know, and and it's a variety. And it's funny because it's a variety of of uh, buy-ins too, right? I have people that are probably in for you know up up north of a hundred k in terms of buy-ins, and I have people that are that play for free, and I think it can cater to. Me. Uh, and a lot of it in, you know, embracing the variance, uh, to me is there's a lot of things in, in dynasty fantasy football that are accepted as being true. Yeah. They're not. <laughs> and, and if you sort of appreciate that, right. Zigging while everyone else is, you know, sometimes going, going, uh, in the right direction at a, at a fork in the road while everyone's going left and just assuming that that's the right way to go. If you're right when you're zigging when everyone else is zagging, there's a ton of value in that, right? And so that's one of the things where I, I really appreciate. And so, you know, embracing the variance really came from the idea that uh, particularly in at a player level and at a team level, variance is bad, right? So guys that produce wide ranges of outcomes are actually good. Uh, and that perform, you know, not necessarily in a straight line are good too. Uh, and so that's a lot of that is uh, particularly what position you're looking at, right? You want high variance running backs. That's exactly what you want. You know, Latavius Murray a couple of years ago and uh, in, in 2019, there was two weeks Alvin Kamara was out. Latavius Murray was literally the running back one. Uh, and right. if you sort of extrapolated out, yes. he was on a better pace in terms of wins, which is a stat that I measure is wins over replacement player. He was on a better pace than McCaffrey was in those two weeks. That first week, he, he smashed. He smashed. <laughs> he smashed. And and the and and the best part was is like he was he was on pace. If you took that out to it over the course of a regular season, he was on a better pace than McCaffrey was. And I think McCaffrey was the best that season. I'm, I'm pretty sure he was the best warp number I'd ever tracked. It was either him or Dave Johnson. He was either one or two. Uh, but he would have smashed them. Smashed them. And again, so you look at that two weeks. And maybe there was only two or three all season that you used Latavius Murray, but you were probably two and zero. Oh. 
just based mm-hmm. on what he did, right? You were probably yeah, two and up. points, right? I picked yeah. him up in a I picked him up in a redraft uh, right when the news came out. Traded him to the Camara owner, mm-hmm. and then and nobody said boo. Mm-hmm. He goes berserk, and then next thing you know, the whole league starts chirping. Oh, what a that trade it was kind of shady. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, man! No one said anything beforehand. You know, it's Latavius Murray. You know. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, but, and, but, and and the other so that's like so again those profiles are great, right? Mike Davis is a good example of this, right? All of these guys this year that if you sort of looked and said, all right, well, where did they finish? Like, oh no, well Mike Davis is a bad example because he was like a top fifteen guy, but but you know Wayne Gallman is an example of this. These guys that oh, have <laughs> that that have very high uh, fluctuation week to week. We at running back are really good at capturing those because we know by and large, that the reason why they're getting the upticks in weeks is because the starter is injured. Most of the time, that's the reason why. So we cap, we can capture those weeks. You like Mo Cox? I, I don't like low pedigree tight ends. So Larry generally speaking, yeah. Larry saw this thing earlier. He sends it to me. He's like, watch out for these free agents. And Mo Alley Cox is one of them. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a Mo huge Cox, fan of baby. low pedigree Mo guys. Cox. Yeah. It's time yeah. for Mo Cox. It's, it's the same reason yeah. that I've been saying screw Quintez Cephas, everybody. And now Tyrell Williams signs with the with the Lions, and we can forget about that low pedigree, slow ass brick hand Quintez Cephas. No high variance there. No tight ends are kind of happening right now. Irv Smith, Adam Troutman. Yeah. Oh. Damn, I just took both of them in a startup a week ago, both of which I sniped, Irv Smith and Adam Troutman. I feel like Mo Cox is like going to be the dark horse out of the, the next uh, run of tight ends coming out. Sure. Tight end 20. I don't know. 21. Tight end 20. So, Jordan, you mentioned earlier how tight ends kind of opened your eyes a little bit. Friend of the show, Scott Connor, was his piece kind of opened your eyes a little bit on tight end, tight end premium, because we're a big tight end premium podcast. Yeah. So one of the things that and he did a really good job of laying it out it better than I could probably say it right now. So I'll just sort of lean with that. With tight ends, I think it's a you have to figure out what the premium is. Right. And so the, the difference in the premium. And so I play in some two. PPR leagues, I play in one and a halfs, right? I play in straight ones. I play in start twos, which is really fun. And especially we amp it up and it's it's not exactly two PPR, but it's pretty close to two PPR for two tight ends. Right. Yeah. And it's a yardage bonus and a, and a two PP and a, a point and a half. It does really amp it up. Really. One of the things is, is like, when should you target them? And what you'll see is when, when you label something tight end premium, uh, folks will just automatically take them earlier. If it's a 1.25 PPR instead of a one, that's not really moving the needle very much, right? Right. So that's one of the things that that I think is is important to understand. The way that the premium moves matters. One thing in there that I didn't appreciate that Scott wrote about was tight ends. It matters a lot more based on how the structure of the wide receiver position. And if it's a mandatory start three wide receivers, it really makes the, the tight end position a lot more valuable at higher premiums because you can flex those guys because of the way that the receiver position structured, you have less flex options there. And the way that those, you know, the secondary tight ends that might be flex options where they sort of fit in are going to give you a weekly advantage. So that's one thing that what I, I had never really 
thought of in terms of the receivers moving, you know, the start requirement for them. That's something I think is really valuable information. So, um, and so he does a really good job of laying it out in the book about sort of how each different one, and he breaks down, I think it's like eight to 10 different scoring systems and lineup right. systems. He breaks them down individually um, and sort of tells you, hey, here's, here's kind of your optimal build. And yeah. And so I've become very much a, I'm a thrift shopper basically. And, and so I'm always looking for narratives to try and exploit. Uh, it, one of the things that I always do is I, I try and thrift shop at tight end because we know historically, generally speaking, the guys that produce at tight end keep doing it. And we sort of overestimate the likelihood that guys are going to break out that haven't done it yet. So when you look at some guys that are like Graham has continued to be very valuable even though he's going significantly later, right? That's a profile that worked. Gonzalez earlier in his in the decade worked. Gates, right? Like these guys, Gronkowski, right? These guys, uh, all of these guys that sort of, when you get in that tier uh, of, of really hitting and sort of being long-term starters, you tend to really stay there until you decide to either, you know, your body breaks down or you stop playing. But most of the time, that those guys, you know, the, the grand thing of playing, you know, 55, 60, 65% of snaps, even when they drafted Cole Clement, that historically is held up, right? That is not something that should have shocked us in terms of him being very valuable this year. So I look at guys this year, like Zach Ertz, like Zach Ertz is a classic one to me that I don't even really like the player, but I just think <laughs> the profile is going to be one that that's going to probably be a, uh, attractive to someone to start as a tight end one and we sort of know what he is and i think that's probably a situation that either it rehabs in value or he's going to be valuable in terms of getting some production out of so he's one that he's that's the type of situation i like to i like to definitely thrift shop in terms of you know i have some holes at tight end in some of my leagues and i'm just trying to throw bodies at them right now at cheap cost and he's basically a throw-in in a deal i got in earlier this week i mean yeah we'll take a shot at that because we know that generally speaking that's a pretty good profile historically so you are literally like get one of the top guys or skip and wait and get the super value you don't like those mid-tier like that 10 to 15 range at all is that generally what uh, i'm hearing no i do it depends on the year um, so this year, for example, I think Gasicki's a really interesting case right around tight end 10 over at analytics dynasty.com. We actually have uh, something we call a real draft tracker, uh, a real yeah. draft. So we call it RDP, which is real draft position. It's ADP, but it's updated like daily, right? So it'll tell you where markets are moving. So we'll get an advanced look at uh, Irv Smith, for example, right? So we will know kind of where the market's moving on Irv Smith before anyone publishes ADP data, which I think is really, really valuable. And that's because of the Kyle Rudolph move. Generally speaking, I think the way the market sort of sets up that range is a danger zone, but this year it's actually pretty interesting. That that right around ten range, you have Gesicki, um, Hunter Henry. I'm a little cool on, uh, but you've got Evan Ingram's in that range, right? That's pretty good. You know, I, I don't know. You go down even further, like Tyler Higby. I like to look at guys who have done it, and if they have some pedigree, that's really nice, right? If they're high draft picks, I mean, Eric Ebron's constantly my guy, probably for the the rest of his career. Now produce whatever his valuation is, just because that's kind of how the position structured and so and and we take these big bets i guess to break out historically they're not great bets i mean you look at a guy like ian thomas he was a big uh oh, he was a big no. guy he was a big guy this year we know right we kind of know and that's the thing you know people talk about analytics or what should i take from the book 
there's something I call base rates, which is we kind of know historically based on how what round in the NFL draft a player was selected and what position they play, we know what what a hit rate would be for them, right? And then each year they don't hit, we know, right, that changes it. And so we know that. Yeah, yeah, it drops it, right? So every year you don't hit, you're less likely to hit. It's a but different positions function differently, right? Different positions and different rounds function differently too. They all they all move a little bit different depending on experience and lack of production and, and round. So when you looked at Ian Thomas last year, it was like a it was less than a one in five bet, and people were sort of pushing him up to be uh you know a fifty fifty shot. That's just a clear avoid. Right? That's just a clear avoid. Um, and so there's a lot of that stuff. And, and we can we, we have an idea of what, you know, when we look at uh, what a player costs, we have an idea of what that means in terms of what they need to do to be more valuable than that. Right. So I, I look at something I call the implied hit rate. You know, for some of these guys, it's a lot higher than you would expect based on their their prior experience and their prior comparable players. So just looking at those things and avoiding those situations, I think, is really the the bet that you need to make. That you don't like Johnny Smith and you think he's <laughs> that's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean now. <laughs> yeah, John Smith would be one that I would avoid. Um, so that's that's it's actually a good one. And so uh, Janu Smith, for example, I'm just pulling it up here. Um, Janu Smith is that um, uh, he – I was just looking at him earlier today too. Uh, where is he? Um, he's lower than um, – oh, here we go. So yeah. so, so here are uh, – so guys, so third-round draft picks, which he is, that haven't hit through four seasons. Do you want to guess how what percentage of guys actually go on at some point in their career and hit for a future top 12 seasonal finish at the title position? Hold on. Give give me that again. Yeah. Yeah. So third round guys, right? Drafted a third round in the NFL draft, and they've got four years of experience without a top 12 seasonal finish. Oh, without a top 12 seasonal finish. Yeah. I'm going to say 8%. Is that too low? 8% chance of of third rounder. Take a number. Come on. I'll say uh, 3%. Nah, it's 6%. So you guys are right yeah. in between there, but that's not good, right? And no, so that's not, that, that's not good. It, can he can break that Jets, mold? I'll tell you, the Jets is 003 <laughs> percent. <laughs> um, so that's again. Is there reasons to think that maybe it's higher for him? Yes, but I think as a starting point, you got to be a little cautious about making a hey, it's a investing at him where it's a a 60% bet, right? That's the thing that I would, and right now where the market has him at, which is, which is tight end 10, the market says that historically that's a 56% shot to hit. So the market likes him eight, nine, 10 times as much as his prior history would be. That's not great. People about Ian Thomas last year, you've made them feel terrible about their, their poor decision making. And now you're just over here whacking people in the top of the head about their Johnu Smith hype. Oh, Johnu Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah Johnu Smith is, yeah, Johnu Smith, that's the the caution. Irv Smith is another one that I would have some, some trepidation oh. about, right? He's a, a 27% hit rate guy. Don't do that to Larry. He's... Like, I am a Herb Smith guy, but uh, so you so Hunter Henry or Irv Smith, you would you would take Hunter Henry? Yeah, Hunter Henry. I take a sickie over uh, Irv Smith too, and because what what you see is guys who have done it have a lot higher chance of doing it again than guys who right. haven't done it making the jump to doing it. And so right. that's a debate that could be had forever. How many leagues you win? You in a, you in a, are you like a um, league guy or a hundred league guy or ten league? No, nah, I mean I think it's I don't know between twenty five and thirty. 
So will you diversify at all or you just Hunter Henry all just because that's what that's what you're supposed to do? Um, so you like mix it up a little bit or you just like, yeah, I need a little Irv Smith in my life. You're, you're just going to be like, this is Hunter Henry all the way. I'm not going to deviate off the plan here. Yeah, I, I'm probably not going to be in on Henry. Um, if I was picking in that range, it'd either be Gasicki or it's actually Evan Ingram. If I was picking in that range. Um, do I diversify? It's a good question. The, the short answer to that question is no. Uh, if I am on the clock and there are two guys that are available and I have one that I, I believe is the better player, um, 100% of the time I'm taking the guy over, that I think is the better player. Rather than, um, diversify, I, take the guy rather than diversify. I do not believe in diversifying on the clock. That is not to say that I won't sometimes make the other decision. Uh, and this is one thing that, you know, we talk about analytics. One of the humility things in there is we got to be careful about saying that we know someone's better than the other person because there's a lot we don't know and a lot we don't control. And so those bets should be select. You know, if I got on the clock last year at any one point after Justin Jefferson came off the board, I was smashing AJ Dillon. Right at any point that that happened, no matter the cost, it was AJ Dillon, and then after that, it was Brandon Ayuk, and it didn't matter. Those were the two guys. Those were the two profiles in the range that, and then after that, it was Cole Komet. Right, it was basically smash, smash, smash. Basically, how it worked Komet. out. I, see, I didn't hear anybody talk about Cole Komet like he was somebody you should have. You know, I didn't well, see, that's that. why you need to get an analytics of dynasty. And what we would tell you is that historically, any time that you get a, a round two tight end in the third round of a rookie draft, that's an auto pick. Yeah, right, that, no. Again, simple rules, simple rules. Yeah. That's a really easy one. Um, and that was happening a lot. I got Cole Komet in the fourth round of a rookie draft. I, I was like, sure. what are we doing here? Yeah, How no, are people? No buzz on him. There was just right. like nothing. He wasn't supposed right. to be the tight end. He was like the last tight end, but he's ranks prior to the draft. Yeah, which which seemed bad process to me because I'll just I'll take the pedigree. And one of the things we know about players is the most predictive thing. We can study player profiles forever. Once they get a draft pedigree next to them, that's the most predictive thing. Yeah, that is the most predictive thing. And so I joke, I'm not going to do this, but I joke that you could turn off the television, turn off Twitter, know nothing between now and the draft, and then get their draft pedigrees of where they went in the NFL draft, where they were selected, and just draft based on that without any more information, and probably be better than the market ever. And if, if you did that, that's something that that I think is really valuable in terms of knowing those numbers and the profiles to select. Cole Clement's an easy one, right? AJ Dillon was is one of the cheapest second round running backs to ever be drafted in a rookie draft. Right? That's a smash situation. On the other hand, you might end up with Henry Ruggs, uh, CEH. Yeah. Um, and actually, Josiah is from Green Bay. I got him in like, I was in fourth, fifth, sixth rounds of rookie drafts and he was available. And that's one of those things where you say, all right, everyone's saying one thing and they might be right, but they took him in the third round of, of the NFL draft as a tight end. And that has an, an implied value to it. Right? So we know what the base rate is on that. And we can say, all right, maybe he's worse than that, but it's going to imply a certain type of usage. They, they probably see something out of him. And maybe he underperforms that, right? I don't. I suspect he probably won't hit in his career. Only three out of ten of those guys that are selected in that round do hit. So, um, you know, so I, little, uh, anecdotal argument that people like to make. You know, one year. So, if we want to stand with the Packers, then somebody else has got some pretty good draft capital on that team. Jordan Love. Where are you at on him? Yeah. So here's the thing about draft capital with quarterbacks is that I don't think he's got that good of draft capital. 
and so this is the thing with why I think understanding rookie drafts and rookie pick valuations is really important. Uh, and when you look at quarterbacks, basically there's a couple of tiers in terms of where they're drafting the NFL draft. There's top 10 guys. Sure. And then there's basically, and we could break it up a little bit. I'm sure if I wanted to go out to like 12 or 13 to capture Mahomes, we could, I just use round numbers just because it's, you know, it's that sort of, they're looked at differently too, right? So that's kind of a natural spot to break it off. Um, but if you wanted to go out and sort of grab Watson, I'm sure you could sort of manipulate the data to make it top 12 or 13 or wherever he went. Um, uh, you know, so you could do all that stuff. Um, but I just use top 10 as the breaking point. So top 10, basically from pick 11 through the second round, those guys all perform the same. And so yep. the thing that I was really fascinated by and what really opened my eyes is, Guys that are first round quarterbacks that aren't in the top 10 have the exact same hit rate as second round quarterbacks. And when you think about that, it's about a 20% shot. When you think yeah. about that, that's pretty, that's pretty dangerous because people say oh, first round quarterbacks, right? No, we should be thinking about them as second round guys. So almost certainly if a guy's outside of the top 10, you should kind of they're probably going to be overdrafted historic, you know, based on what their numbers would suggest. Um, that's not to say on a case by case basis, you couldn't break, make an exception to the rule, but that should be the rule. So with love, I think it's a little bit different of a scenario though, because you're probably, you're, you're essentially making a patience play. One thing with Jordan love that's always interested me is same people said about Patrick Mahomes, anyone that was around Brett Favre, he was in green Bay, loved Patrick Mahomes because they saw they grew up with the risk, right, of, of grabbing the third rail of some stuff that Brett Favre would do, but they saw that what that could unleash, and they saw that in Mahomes, right? And so those guys that were sort of on the Brett Favre career trajectory at some point were very much on Mahomes. And you look at some of the comps that Jordan Love got, poor man Mahomes, who drafted him? The team that had Brett Favre. <laughs> so again, I, it's not something I think is going to happen in the next 12 months. Uh, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere, but I think long-term that's interesting, right? And if it's going to be interesting in like a second round rookie pick valuation, right? If it's interesting in a way that, Hey, you're selling some immediate production that doesn't have long-term viability in season for Jordan Love, right? That's a really high upside bet. And again, is the hit rate all that high? Probably not, but I think it's a really interesting upside bet if you can sort of get him at a second round valuation, especially if it's a player, like a Wayne Gallman type situation last year for Jordan Love. Like that's a really interesting asymmetric upside bet. Trade addicts setting, it was tight in premium 1.75. So it does affect the draft picks. Uh, Aaron Jones for Jordan Love, the 201 and the 301. Thoughts? Yeah, I'd take the Aaron Jones side of that. I do too. That's a how you, and people jokingly say that, or I don't even think they jokingly say it. They say it, and I think it's a straw man argument that, oh, people overvalue rookie picks. You know, historically, that's not true. Is on case by case basis, people take young players too early? Yes. I mean, I think this, people are probably valuing Jordan Love too high in this draft class or in this particular draft, I think people are valuing 201 too high in this particular trade as well. But it's interesting. I would take the Jones side of that. I'm not even a huge Jones guy to take the Jones side of that. I think he's probably undervalued, right? Just looking at his profile, I think he's probably undervalued. So Yeah, I'm not an Aaron Jones guy either, but I think he stays in Green Bay, which is the best scenario for him. And, you know, if I'm projecting that he stays there, then it's a, you're looking at another RB1 season. So 
why not? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It, it's it's really interesting because I think I think the market thinks the exact opposite. So when you look at some of the draft position stuff, right. people the market is very very high on on AJ, AJ Dillon. Dillon. Again, this is a player I really like. I I'm a huge AJ Dillon fan. You won't find a bigger AJ Dillon guy than me. But when I sort of look at how high he's going, it's basically it's almost almost has to be that Aaron Jones leaves. Like that is essentially oh, yeah. the bet people are making. And so when you sort of look at that, you say, huh. And then when you look at Aaron Jones's cost, it's essentially their bet they're making as he's leaving. You know, so if you wanted to take the opposite side of either of that bet, I do think there's upside either trading Dylan or or acquiring Aaron Jones. I think you could do either one of those things if you wanted to take the other bet. If I own Dylan trying to capitalize on the profit that you can make right now. Because he he was a mid second rounder last year and now I mean, people were talking about not selling him for anything less than the 107, 108 kind of thing. So if I can get the 108 for AJ Dillon, I, I would jump all over that. Yeah, it's interesting because if you were to stack them up, how would you how would you put him in this class, right? And so that would be the thing that I would say is where would you put him in terms of in terms of rookie picks? And that might change for the next over the next week or a month, right? In terms of where Aaron Jones goes, but. I, to me, I don't think he's any worse than running back three in this class. And if you were to tell me he's the Green Bay, he's holding the Green Bay job uh, come week one, I might take him as running back one sitting here right now. And so that's an interesting, it's an interesting value situation because I don't think that, I don't think Najee Harris's profile is all that much better than AJ Dillon's is. Ooh, baby. Well, that was spicy. Hot take. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> hey, you know what's yeah. funny about you know what's funny about Najee Harris is when I sort of look at his profile, Alexander Madison is younger than him. I know it is crazy how I mean Najee is. What was AJ Dillon? Right, now he's going to be an old rookie, that's for sure. But I think you know, basically, we all want just running backs on their first four-year contract anyway, right? If you're buying a running back, a rookie running back, are you really concerned about that second contract? Because I generally assume that the second contract is going to be a uh, committee situation for the most part anyway. I mean, it's it just that's generally how it plays out. So I, I know he's going to be 23 years old or whatever. And, but if I get two, three years out of him at that age, at that age peak, then I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's interesting for sure. I mean, I, I'm surprised. Again, I'm a big A.J. Dillon guy. I was taking him well above his, where he was going and, and drafts sure. last year. But I'm pretty surprised about how much the market is really uh, they're very aggressive on on Aaron Jones leaving very, right now very yeah. aggressive yeah it's it's essentially a, implying that Aaron that AJ Dillon's a starter in Green Bay that's essentially what that what his rank in that number tells you which is a lot <laughs> that's all that's a, that is uh that is a steep bet that the market's making right now a lot to say I'm gonna I'm gonna buy AJ Dillon at his starter cost based on speculative prospects and the question that I would have is if if you're going to sit again, I'm I I have to think about this a little bit more over the next week you know, before the before the Aaron Jones news happens about what I want to make. And I've been thinking about it a lot. If Aaron Jones the first day of free agency signs with I don't know the Jets or someone other than Green Bay, and he signs his contract, what's that do to AJ Dillon's price? Oh gosh, it probably makes it go up, but how much higher can it really go? Well, he can and go so, from RB20 to RB10 real quick. Uh, do you think so, though? 
because I'm not sure that he can. That's putting a, him ahead of Antonio Gibson. That's putting him ahead of James Robinson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Josh Jacobs, uh, Zeke Mixon, Miles Sanders. Right? I, I just don't see Austin Eckler. I don't see how he gets that high. I think and, you may be underestimating the shiny new toy effect. Shiny new toy effect happens where you know people people won't think in their head. Okay, I like this. I like fifteen. If they really put a list together, they could say, okay, I like fifteen running backs more. But they'll just go, ooh, top ten running back. He's a top ten running back, and and yeah. that's just without really evaluating it. That's how people react. So when yeah. you're talking about your process versus the standard process of, across the the community, it becomes a little bit more vague and a little bit more superficial when. When you're looking at, oh, well, this person's top 10. Well, when you really start to, and you know, we play a name game every once in a while. It's like, do you really think that they're QB7? Well, let's do this. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. 11 or 12, and you're like, oh, right. you know what? That makes sense, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, he'll be. I don't think there's any way that in reality he jumps into anywhere near RB10. But that day that, that Aaron Jones is somewhere else, He's a top 10 running back in the community. Knee-jerk reaction kind of thing. I have a question. One of my leagues wanted to know if you guys could talk on the pod about a few vets that you would buy to help you win now. Hmm. Yeah, the answer to this question for me is always the same, uh, especially wide receiver. It is uh, wide receivers in their mid-20s who have hit for two top 24 seasonal finishes because as a class, they're undervalued. And there's a lot of options in there. There's a lot of different ways that you can go. And I think there's a, a broad group of, of target guys in there, guys like Amari Cooper. Um, you know, it, he's the head of this, this club uh, in terms of undervalued guys with really good production profiles. So he's one, you know, anyone that's just, you know, you could sort of pick who you want to reflect that. But guys in their mid 20s who, who receiver who, who have not, who have hit for multiple top 24 seasons, Mike Evans, right? Mike Evans is probably going to go to the hall of fame and we're going to spend yeah. like the last like six years of his career, like under drafting him. That's probably what's going to really, happen. Assuming he's yeah, I mean, healthy. One of the best receivers of his generation. As far as the way he has started his career, he might be. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's, he's just perpetually undervalued. This century, you know how many people have gone seven for seven to start with top 24 right, seasonal right. finishes. Isn't that him? Zero. It's yeah. Mike Evans alone. Yeah, so, right. uh, just, you know, yeah. the, we sometimes don't appreciate the things that we have. And Mike Evans is one of those. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so uh, this is a follow up. Uh, he's also had a few offers for Tyree kill and he's curious as to a, uh, a good sell price for a competing team. So he's a contender and wants to sell Tyreek Hill. He's gotten a few offers for Tyreek. I, I think he's trying to, he wants to get a better understanding of the market. For- I wonder why he's selling a top two or three wide receiver as a competing, as a competitive team. He's just, you know, dipping his toe in the water. Who knows? It would have to be uh, I mean, player. It's not picks. Yeah. Like wants Mark Cooper. <laughs> yeah. Tyreek's got, if you're contending, he's got the upside profile that you want. So that would be the thing that I would say. I mean, how do you sort of capture that at other positions? Can you go to a one one way to do that would be to go down a wide receiver to a Amari Cooper to a Mike Evans type, and 
then add in a running back you know is that josh right. jacobs is that someone in that range right that's i think the way you have to do that deal i don't think you can do the sell them for picks deal on tyree kill he's just too good not as a contender and you know what if if it's a deep roster that's a move i could i could get behind even going something like tyreek and rojo for you know a mike evans and josh jacobs miles sanders kind of thing moving that direction but I don't think that if it's a shallow, like a 12-team start nine, that I'm trying to split Tyreek into two commodities. I just think it's it's hard to it's hard to justify when you're only when you're starting shallow rosters. You know, we always speak in superflex, so that means you're starting seven position players. Well, one of those is a tight end, so now you're really starting six. You know, hopefully, if you're trying to win, because you got a couple quarterbacks on your roster that you can actually start. So at that point, you're starting six players that you know six flex is running backs and wide receivers what do you do there you know so if it's a deeper league uh, you know start 11 or 12 or whatever then that's something to think about you know insulating your your risk a little bit by getting two starters instead of one i don't know it, it it's kind of league dependent upon whether i want to even sell tyreek because you're not losing a value window right now you know it's not like you're you need to sell him he's not you know, he's not Michael Thomas and the value window may be closing, that kind of thing. Want to talk some trades? Well, absolutely. All right. Just made I made a trade this week. I won't tell you what side, but this is in, I guess you can call it my home league. It's a, a, a league that I commission. We had, we did the startup last year. This trade is Jerry Judy, the one five, the one nine, and the two oh one. Twelve team super flex, one point seven five tight end. Judy, the one five, the one nine, and the two one for Gibson, Fant, Mecole Hardman, and the two three. Jordan, I'll let you go first. A lot of stuff here. I have strong feelings about this trade. So what's interesting about it is I look at that one oh five and I say, is that gonna be uh Kyle Pitts? Right. Is Kyle Pitts gonna be at one oh five? Uh, or is he gonna be he's either probably one of those picks. He's either one oh five or one oh nine, probably. Right. So he's you sort not of one oh nine, yeah. Put put it in there and think about that. Um, you know, I'd take Fan over him, right? So that would be an initial starting point. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And then um, you know, so then you look at I don't know, the the picks, let's say two oh four and two ten are close. I don't really value Hardman. Then you basically have, you know, we're saying it's Judy and one oh nine for Gibson. It's kind of the back of my math. And I think you smash Gibson. So I would take the Gibson side. Ooh. I agree. I'm on the Gibson side hard on this one. Um, I like Judy a lot, but I already have a commodity that has been proven and is a very tradable asset. Gibson may be one of the most tradable assets in fantasy right now. I'll, I'll always capitalize on that if I can. I mean, I think you can move Gibson for acres, that kind of thing. And that's something that's been happening. You know, whereas I can, I can pivot off of that onto someone I like more. I still get the value. So you're you're grinning over there, Larry. So you must have gotten Gibson. No, 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 no. I did take the Judy side. Oh, really? On the Judy side. You know why? Because it's got all those picks. Uh, yes. Listen, this is a startup from last year. Uh You know, I like to build my team young. I'm the commissioner, and there's there's some new guys in this league too that are brand new. I also have to take on that role of like this ambassador to Dynasty. So sometimes I'm going to make some trades that 
are I'm not, not going to make an outlandish trade, but I will make trades to keep the the flow of the league moving along. I was okay with this deal. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for the. I'll be looking at quarterback at the 105 too, because I am kind of light in that department also and it's hard to get a quarterback in a super flex right so that was on my mind as well i also have the one two in this league so i have the one two and the one five so i can kind of work out how i want to play that you know so i have some time to think about that but uh, yeah i was happy with the deal hardman was just a throw in for me but whatever man some good picks i might you know you, but, you know landing spot will figure all this stuff out and but yeah i was happy with the deal Gibson, yeah, I get Gibson, and I actually tried to get Acres for Gibson in this league, uh, but didn't work. I'm not a, or a Gibson guy, but I just think that you can make moves with him. Yeah, he's a great piece right now to move around. Yes. What do you think you're getting at 105? Jamar Chase or Trey Lance or Kyle Pitts, right? Yeah. One of those three? Yeah. Do you think two running backs are off the board by the time you get there? Uh, on the 105, figure Lawrence at one. Fields. Or Najee at two. ETN. I think the top two running backs will be gone. Really? There aren't too many uh, seasoned veteran owner uh, GMs in this league, so you have to take that into account also. Yeah, so that, that's interesting because when you sort of think about I don't know when I because you could sort of you can play hopscotch with this and think about it a couple of different ways. Then you're basically saying that's Gibson basically running back three in this class. Right, that's a different way to think about him when you sort of look at this. Uh, I would take him over that, but that's right. just a different sort of when you sort of construct this and 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 take it apart. It's interesting. The other thing is when you say that and now you have you sort of have some stacking of the board going on in terms of you've got two, five, and nine. Yeah. That might actually put you in a better spot to get who you want at, with your third one. And whether that's moving up from 109, whether that's, you know, moving back from 105 to sort of, you can move, you can bump back a slot and then you can sort of put those two, get those two picks closer together. So that way you're, you're leveraging a hit. What's interesting to me is if you sit at 109, and I'm thinking about this a lot in terms of where I want to be in rookie draft boards at this point. If you're sitting at 109, what's the odds you get a top 10 quarterback? Is really the question that I have at this point. In your in your draft, it sounds like it's actually pretty high. And and I'm wondering if if that's going to be true in in regular drafts, because I think it's a possibility, right? If you get four of them and you have basically, you know, you have pits, you have some intermingling of pits, chase, and the two running backs, that's eight. And you say, okay, it's so cracking that number. And I, I think the answer is it's probably going to happen and, and a good and a good share of leagues. Is that 10% of leagues or is it 80% of leagues, right? That's kind of going to be the difference on where the 109 falls. Again, and this is early too. This is this is early to to be debating things. And one thing I looked at book it was just to see what predictiveness was was March. I did February, March, April ADP in terms of looking at what percent of guys that are actually in the first round right now end up in the first round through all of rookie draft season? Not that high, right? Mm -hmm. It's very high at running back. It's really, really high at running back, but it's about a 50-50 shot at wide receiver right now. So it's interesting. I think there's going to be movement in there, and it's probably stuff that we don't anticipate right now other than sure. just to generally say there's probably going to be a lot of movement in the, in the rookie wide receiver values that we just don't comprehend. We probably won't be able to identify the specific ones at this point. Yeah, let me go. I'll be on a plane going on a beach. I might need some reading material. I don't, I don't know, man. What do you think, Justin? I think it's uh, a wonderful <laughs> idea. 
But anyway, all right, all right, baby. Let's get into this. The Analytics of Dynasty from Jordan McNamara at McNamara Dynasty on Twitter. Analyticsofdynasty.com. You can find the the book, the digital copy, and analyticsofdynasty.com slash shop. Yep, there's um I, I'm sort of moving away from the Patreon. I, I did Patreon for about a year, and one of the things I did during COVID was uh, I actually did a daily podcast from I think it was like March 16th through like the end of June. I think it was. Um, wow. I did one every day and I just kept Your recording. I just kept. That, huh? yeah. yeah, it was funny because I was, I learned to sort of start doing them um, in like bulk. So I was able to start, I, I sort of did that. But for a while, I was just doing it every night. And it was great because it was something to regulate your day because right. it was so disorienting. Uh, so I did that and I sort of, uh, you know, it caught on to, to some degree. And so I'm doing that now with Analytics of Dynasty as part of the membership to the site. Uh, you can go subscribe. I do a daily Dynasty podcast. And so that's cool. uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty fun doing that. Um, so you get a different thing. It's, you know, it's unfortunate I do Dynasty daily because I could talk about three things a day. <laughs> and so um, there's just there's not enough uh, there's not enough shows in a in a in a one daily format. Um, so yeah, you can find all that at analyticsofdynasty.com. Um, and I have the real draft tracker, uh, real draft position tracker up there. Now we're tracking live drafts. We're seeing real, real movement, which I think is pretty valuable at this time of year. Um, I have a startup draft pick calculator as well. Um, just some resources over there. I have my rookie tier. Or I have my uh, all of my dynasty tiers, which is a different take on rankings. That has some metrics in there to sort of help you make better decisions. So yeah, you can go ahead and um, you can get the book and you can go ahead and subscribe over there at analyticsofdynasty.com and uh and get all that good and all those goodies Ooh, baby damn so yeah get on over there all right all right you ready baby let's wrap it up let's wrap it up. thanks for listening to the dynasty hot sauce podcast one two three four larry monkey and justin rogers talking dynasty football baby come get 